Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Software Social. I am so excited to have two guests with me today, Michael Revere and Damon Chen. These are two founders you've probably come across on Twitter or perhaps in the Founder Summit community. Both of them have been funded by Calm Fund. And so today we're going to hear about their experiences launching their companies and what that has been like being part of Calm Fund. So Damon and Michael, welcome. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm so excited. So so let's jump right into this. So Damon Chen, you are the founder of Testimonial. Take me back to the beginning. How did you even start with having your own company? Where did that start? Go back to the early 2020 when the pandemic just hit. And, you know, a lot of tech companies, you know, I, I used to work for Cisco and Cisco is one of them, you know, ask all employees to work from home. And, you know, it can't make me lonely in the beginning. And during that time, I was pretty fascinated about indie hackers community. But, you know, when, when reading those posts and reading those comments, and I still kind of feel lonely. And I, I'm thinking, why? Right. So it's in the end, I still can't really build the connection between the person who replied me, the person who made the post, and it's all text-based. And I'm thinking, what if that I make a video-focused community? And I started to build the MVP, and I launched the product, I launched the community, and it was called Lonely.dev back then. And because, you know, it was just to represent myself, and I kind of felt very lonely in the beginning. And uh, that's the first thing that I built. It was just for fun. During the time that I launched the community and I was still employed by Cisco, I got my paycheck and I didn't have any monetization, you know, in this kind of goal. And I met a lot of friends during the time that I built the Lonely Dev. And after that, you know, I, I thought the pandemic would just disappear <laughs> at the end of the year, but uh, it still didn't. And I, it, it kind of became uh, a problem between my day job and my saddles and also my family because back then my daughter was like one and a half years old and we were afraid to send her to daycare because we care about her safety and at the end of 2020 i decided to you know take a unpaid leave from cisco for six months and and because the unpaid leave won't give me any paycheck and i started to have this kind of you know financial <laughs> pressure and i started to think that, you know, I, I shipped quite a lot of features, this kind of stuff into Lonely Dev, and so why not I can pivot the idea into a standalone product and also, meantime, reuse as much code as possible because I, for me, personally, that there's a lot of, you know, uh, opportunity cost and time cost for me to build a brand new product. The best use case for me is to just reuse the code that I previously uh, shipped to Lonely Dev and try to see if I can pivot into a standalone product. So I was just, you know, brainstorming the things that I added to Lonely Dev. And of course, the core thing that I added is the video recording and the video streaming, this kind of thing. And, you know, for a indie hacker, because I built several, you know, side projects, but I always have one common problem, which is to how can I sell the product? How can I get the social proof and prove that potential buyers that, hey, this is legit and you can buy it. And I do have happy customers and, uh, you know, testimony comes into my picture. And there's one moment that I browse 
the Shopify, I think the Shopify website, and I saw some video testimonials. And that was really a spur of a moment that I think probably I can build a video testimonial thing. And that became the beginning of the testimonial. And I just reused almost 80% or 90% of the code from Lonely Dev and, uh, you know, build a landing page for testimonial and I launched it right before the Christmas. And I got several thousand uh, revenue uh, from the launch. And I think that became a hit uh, to myself and also a strong validation that it probably can be a thing. So that, yeah, that's the beginning of the whole journey. So that was interesting. So you started out basically by building something for yourself to solve your own loneliness during COVID, which I think is something, something a lot of us definitely feel. And then, you know, at a certain point, you decided to take this leave from work. And so, and, and that kind of spurred you to say, okay, well, how can I maybe start making some extra money while I take this leave, which it sounded like really for your family, you need, you needed to take that time. And so that got you looking for, I guess, sort of opening your eyes a bit more on opportunities to sort of monetize what you had already built. I mean, it's pretty amazing that you were able to reuse 80% of the code. And and you were also solving a very core problem that a lot of people have at the same time of, yeah, how do, how do I let people know that, you know, I'm legit and that this, you know, that this is a good product? I'm curious. So when did you, so you said that you launched Testimonial December of 2020. Is that right? So when yep. did your leave from work start? I think a month before. A month beforehand. So you were kind of already feeling a little bit of that pressure at that point of not having a salary during that time. Yeah. But the good thing is, uh, for me, for my family, is that my wife works full time and I worked for Cisco for eight years in the Silicon Valley. And, you know, we do have uh, quite enough uh, savings. So for me, I can foresee what would be the worst case for me, which is I lost one year uh, of income. And, uh, you know, before I quit my job and I just promised to my wife, if I can't really make it work, you know, my, my goal is to hit uh, 100,000 AR by end of the year 2021. And if I can really make it, I would just to go back to find a job at any tech company. So that's the goal that I promised to my wife. You know, but luckily I, I made it before 2021 ends and I can still continue my, you know, I can still continue to pursue my dream. That's awesome. So, so you went from, from launching in December of 2020, had a really good response from that. How did you come across Calm? And, and I'm curious what your thoughts were when you first came across it. I first came across uh, definitely from the indie hackers community uh, where, you know, Tyler was interviewed. You know, before that, I, what I know is all about, you know, TechCrunch, Y Combinator, this kind of, you know, very uh, famous uh, name in the Silicon Valley. And I never heard about the compound unless I, I listened to Tyler's Indiehackers podcast. And then I'm like, wow, there's a VC that's giving you money and uh, you can still do what you used to, to do. And they, they don't give you any pressure. They don't push you to move uh, faster. And uh, and how amazing it is. And that that, that that seems like, you know, the best fit for me. And because I, I do have family. I do have a very young kid. And I don't really want, you know, to take money. And also adds up a lot of external pressure on myself. And I just uh, want to continue to, to do uh, what I do. And that's why I think that calm will be a perfect fit for me. 
It's interesting that you talk about, you know, the like the TechCrunch type of funding and, you know, VC and everything else. I applied Y Combinator for several times and I never got an a interview request. And I just kept uh, applying uh, Y Combinator and Y Combinator is the only, you know, the incubator or, you know, this kind of stuff that I heard about. And uh, after, you know, being a lurker in the in hackers community, and I heard quite a lot of stuff. Heard about, you know, MR, what is MR, what is AR, and uh, all these kind of, you know, inspiring founders and uh, compound and th this kind of interesting VCs that may be a better fit for indie hackers like us. Yeah, you know, thinking about it, like, I think something that's really different about you know, about com is that they will fund companies that are side projects. Indeed, it's a selling point if it's a side project that's already uh, making money. Because, I mean, even in the, you know, the free flowing VC capital days of, you know, say 2015 to early 2020, and then it kind of picked up a little bit for the last two years, and now it's back down again. But even during the free flowing times, like if, if you've got a side project, like they'll just they won't even reply to your email. They will just show you the door because it's taken as this signal that you're somehow not serious enough about what you're doing and they, they just have no interest in it. And and Calm is like very different, right? Like Not to mention the side project, but also if you're a solo founder and most of the VC or even Y Combinator won't even consider, you know, solo being a solo founder. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's a big point to, to bring up. We have a lot of founders in the community that are solo. And when you look at funding, so many places, they don't like you just because you're by yourself, right? And you might have like the best business model. You might be like super niche and have something really great, but they just won't even look at you because they think you can't do it because you're a solo founder. Whereas a calm founder, they don't look at it whether you're solo or not. They look at what you're working on. Yeah. So I guess, Michael, maybe we should talk a little bit about your story as well. So you were the founder of Jungle Bee. Can, can you take us back to to where the idea for Jungle Bee came from? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in the Caribbean and um, in an island called St. Martin, which is very, very busy. Lots and lots of tours there. And uh, my family, they actually have a, a tour and charter company there. And so I kind of grew up in the tour business and grew up on boats, you know, working on boats and at some point in all of that, I started selling tours online, you know, to like tourists coming to St. Martin. So this was like in maybe 2015, 2014. And so the websites, they weren't great, you know, it's not like today. And so that small little business that I had did really, really well. It was called SX and Deals. And I'd basically make a commission on all the bookings I was selling for all these tour companies. So, you know, I was operating as an agent. And somewhere along the line, I, I realized it was really, really difficult because as bookings came through to me through my own website, right, I would have to then collect the money, but then also check off each tour company, you know, if they actually had space for my guests. My guests didn't know about this, but I did. And, you know, some tour companies are really professional and they'll answer you straight away. And others are like pirates, you know, they'll be on a tour all day, they'll go home, they'll clean their boat, and then they're suddenly they're at the pub and then you can't reach them until the next day. And, um, it, it, get, it was very difficult to handle reservations or tours. And so that's kind of when the idea of Jungle Bee came to me. And the whole point was to fix a problem that I had. And a lot of the tour companies that I spoke to also had that problem was dealing with availability and receiving bookings from local activity desks and agents or concierge desks at the hotels. And 
that's how I got started Jungle Bee. And so I kind of designed like the platform. And so one thing you have to keep in mind in all this, like I mentioned, was I used to work on boats. You know, I, I dabbled on websites and stuff like that, but I was not a developer. I was on some island in the Caribbean. I didn't know about Silicon Valley startups. I didn't know anything about this stuff. I was not even involved at all in any way. You know, you'd find me at the beach, you know, working on boats and things like that, right? So it was um, rather interesting. And so I started to learn about, you know, everything that goes on and trying to you know, raise money. And I knew that Jungle Bee was going to be a very difficult booking system to build. It wasn't going to be a small little app because you're dealing with money and availability and time zones and schedules and just so many things. And so I kind of did a mock-up and I went to all the different tour companies that I knew that I worked with. And I, with them, I was actually able to raise $90,000 back then. Wow. Yeah, we didn't even build software. I mean, there was no, there was no save. There was no convertible note. We, we kind of put together like this very standard business equity contract for common stock with all the shareholders. And I found a dev shop in South Africa that would help me. So I did, I looked at a lot of dev shops, you know, cause I wasn't sure, I didn't know how to do this. I didn't even know what technology to use. All I had was my little balsamic mock. And so with that money, I jumped on a plane, went to South Africa and we actually built the, the software and it worked um, really, really well. It came out, this was um, just to give you a date. This was in the beginning of 2017. And then by, I'd say it was May or June, 2017, I was really excited. We had actually launched V1 of our booking system in Smartin as the first place. And we were able to get all the hotels and activities to use the software and start booking all the different tour companies, you know, on the island and, and it worked really, really well. So that's kind of how Jungle Bee started right at the beginning. And so, I mean, you said you were <laughs> on an island in the middle of the Caribbean yep. Not a developer, didn't mm -hmm. know about the the Silicon Valley tech world that Damon literally lives in. Uh, <laughs> quite a contrast here. So you had this $90,000 in funding from the community, basically. Yeah. So how did you end up coming across Calm and, and wh mm -hmm. why did you end up taking the money? Yeah. So that's a really good question. And that's where it gets really interesting and why Calm Company Fund, I think, is such a great model. Because the story, it gets, um, it gets a bit crazy, my story then, because this was May or June, 2017. And I'm not sure if you guys remember, but around September, October, 2017, the Caribbean was devastated by hurricanes Irma and Maria. And so the starter that we had launched, well, I had launched basically, you know, with the community, um, it did super well. We were really excited. We were really happy in September. I mean, we were doing over a million dollars in bookings worth in the marketplace. Like it was just amazing. And then suddenly one day, everything went, just crashed. It just like, it was all gone. All my customers lost their boats. All the other islands that we were set up to go and launch at disappeared as well. And so that's when things got very interesting for me and my wife, Audrey, we had to like kind of survive at that point. And so what I ended up doing is I ended up going to work back on boats. So I used to work like on these big luxury yachts and I got a job thanks to a great friend of mine. He got me on one of the boats as an engineer. And so I basically had a side job plus the startup that I didn't want to lose because we had put so much into it. And so I, for about a year, almost a year and three months, you know, throughout 2018, the whole year of 2018 up to the beginning of 2019. I worked as an engineer and with the salary I was earning, I was able to hire some more developers and keep building Jungle Bee as the Caribbean market kind of um, came back to normal, you know, slowly but surely. 
so Jungle was full-time, then it became like a side hustle for me and just keeping it there going while I was working full-time on the boat. And then back in March, 2019, I believe, yeah, I decided to like, no, that's it. You know, I can only do both jobs so much because the Jungle Bee software is demanding, you know, and the customers and everything. And so I kind of quit my job then. And that's when the pressure started to like, you know, come up very, very quickly because I'm not a developer. I can't build like in Ruby on Rails and React and all that. So I couldn't just look after my software that I wanted to keep using. And I had people like running, you know, using it daily. Back in that time, I had moved to South Africa because, well, it's really cheap and it's a good way. If you're going to survive as a founder, it's really beautiful there and it's super cheap. So that was, um, that was my, my objective in March. And so I kind of hunkered down for two months and started getting really stressed and started looking at like different investment models and things like that. And everything I had seen, just like what Damon says, you know, about VCs needing you to have a co-founder and then you need to have, you know, X amount of MRR, but you need to be growing your MRR by like 200% per month, you know, and like just going off all these crazy demands was totally the opposite of what I'd be doing at Jungle. I was building it, to be honest, in a, in, a, in a very calm way. And I had survived a hurricane disaster. So it was the opposite of what people wanted to see. And then just like Damon as well, I saw Tyler on a podcast. Now I can't remember which website it was, but everything he said made so much sense, you know, about building a company slowly, making sure that your revenue is, you hope, higher than, you know, your expenses, and then just getting to the point where you need to, and then when you work with shareholders and VCs and things like that, they're actually there to help you. You know, they don't have these demands and you don't have to meet certain milestones. You just got to keep the company going, which was something that I found rather amazing. And yeah, I just got super lucky, to be honest. I mean, I reached out to Tyler back then. It was just a little form, sent him a pitch deck and we started chatting. And one day he just sent me an email and he said, Hey man, you're in. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. And from then on. The pressure was all gone, you know, like then I could like, actually, I was really going to go full-time into Jungle Bee because I was really looking at, you know, going, finding another job. And so from then I was full-time into Jungle Bee and I was able to really concentrate on our customers, what they needed and really push the software to where it needed to be. I mean, that's incredible. Like you literally had a hurricane hit your business and yeah. destroy it, not yeah. metaphorically, like literally. Yeah, all gone. I've got some, the most amazing graphs of, you know, bookings and revenue, and you can just see like how high it goes. And then suddenly it just, there was like a, you know, like a full vertical drop. And then it's not just that, but we also got hit by COVID. It took us two years to recover from that. And then in 2020, the beginning of 2020, COVID happened and the exact same thing happened again. So we went through like two major disasters and, um, yeah, thanks to Confund and the community and everything that we, you know, that they've provided. We were actually able to survive like a massive hurricane disaster. We were able to survive the COVID pandemic and we're still here. Our competitors have crashed. Like they have no more money. They had to close their companies, everything. And we've just been able to survive throughout all of that. So we're like, we're definitely slow. We're more like, like turtle, you know, slowly going forward, but we're still there. I think you're a cockroach. Like you're, you're unkillable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go, go and get rid of us. I mean, you know, it's interesting talking about that because I think sometimes a, a fear people have about taking funding from from anyone is what happens if things hit the fan, right? And like our revenues drop to zero. Like, I mean, I've feel like that's something that that held me back for a long time. And going full time mm. is like, oh my god, what if you know 
what if a major company comes into this space or like there's a, some big change and like all of a sudden our business just disappears overnight. And that was just like me worrying about it. But that literally happened to you. And so I'm curious, what was that experience like for you? Because I guess I know people kind of sort of get worried that like their investors would be pressuring them or, you know, kind of turn their backs on them. And so I'm curious how that kind of dynamic played out. Yeah. Well, I mean, personally, you know, you kind of, well, you get really upset, right? Especially if it happens twice in a row, you're like, come on, man, how, do, how is that even possible? You know, how do you get two like major disasters to happen in a row? So you get sad and all that, but from a point of view of, you know, for the hurricanes, one thing, but like when um, COVID happened and Confine was there, it was the opposite. I actually felt okay because when it started all going down and I'd sent a message to, you know, CB was head of platform at Confund, and then I'd sent a message to Tyler, both of them had reached out and they were like, Hey, you know, just tell us anything we can do to help you. You know, this COVID will eventually end. So you just got to survive this and we're here to help you. Just tell us what you need. And the same thing happened in the community. I remember a bunch of founders were worried and things like that as well. And, you know, we had a group where everybody could speak and there was many, you know, investors, which we call them mentors because they, you know, they actually do, you know, work has little work, but they act as mentors in the community and everyone was very, very supportive. There was no, uh, no pressure whatsoever. And since I've been in the community since 2019, I've seen this happen a lot of times, you know, whether it's a disaster or actual, you know, competition or just business not working out for some of the founders in the community and when things go wrong, so far from what I've seen, you know, from the, the compound team, but also all the mentors, everyone's just been super supportive and like saying, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. That's totally fine. You know, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's just the way it is sometimes, right? In business, there's no pressure whatsoever at all. I don't feel any pressure. How about you, Damon? Yeah. For me, it's like, uh, I take the money from Tyler and then Tyler disappeared. <laughs> you know, you know, we are all adults. I mean, you know, we don't need anyone to supervise us uh, 24-7. And we know we are the founder and we are in the best position to know what we need to do. But the best part for, for having the compound on the side is, you know, as running business and we will hit some lows for sure. And uh, compound is the best community, I would say, you know, to give you help, uh, to give you a hand whenever I need any help. So it's always there. So for the, the, that's also the reason why I accept the term sheet from Tyler. And uh, it's because, you know, I'm a solo founder. I just quit my job and I do need a community which I can surround myself with. And, uh, and I don't really need, you know, a community full of, you know, those CEOs from those kind of, you know, NASDAQ listed public companies. But what I really need is those founders who are, you know, a few miles ahead of me with a couple of million dollar AR that I can really feel them and I can follow their steps and I can get their practical advices and I can also get really inspired from their journey. And I'm hoping that one day I can be one of them. So that's that's the biggest reason that I, you know, join Calm. And I also feel very lucky. So you launched Testimony on December of, of 2020. When was it that you ended up taking the money from Calm? It was May 2021. And I quit my job at the end of the March 2021. I, I quit my job. I, I actually, you know, not only built in public, 
on Twitter, but I also quit in public on Twitter. Because <laughs> Wait, I, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I made a, I posted a tweet saying, hey, if I can reach uh, 1,000 MR, I'm going to quit, quit my job in public. And, <laughs> and at the end of the March, I reached my 1,000 MR goal, which means that I have to quit my job because I promised. Because you promised the internet. Yes. And uh, <laughs> a month later, I reached um, 2,000 MR. And by the time Gil reached out to me uh, on Twitter and saying, hey, can we have a talk? And then I'll have to talk with Tyler. And then at the end of the April or early May, and I got the temperature from Tyler. So that happens within a, uh, within a month. Did your boss at Cisco see that tweet? I'm pretty sure that he he, he, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. So, so you, know, you mentioned, you know, talking about with your wife and kind of the decision to take this leave and she had a full-time job and everything else. What was that conversation like with your wife when, when you said, like, when you got to that decision of if you get to $1,000 a month, you can quit your job? I would say not only for me is a risk, but also for my wife. It's also a big risk for her because she will be the only one that contributes in the financial wise to our family. I would say she definitely got the equivalent equal pressure as I do. As I said, you know, I can foresee what is the worst case for our family, which is, you know, we lost uh, 200,000 salary, you know, <laughs> one year salary. And for my wife, it's definitely better that if she can see some momentum from a business. And I think 1,000 MR, 2,000 MR is definitely a early sign that she will get a little bit of confidence for what I do. And of course, nothing is no risk, right? So if I do anything, you know, there's always some, some risk there, but uh, it's always a balance between the freedom and uh, the financial wise. So for me, if I quit my job, I got all the freedom except for the financial freedom. <laughs> so that's the goal that I'm going after. You know, if I still keep uh, my job and, uh, you know, I got the financial stability for sure. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, I lose the freedom to take care of my uh, young kid and also this kind of you know, daily update, I have to update my boss, you know, what I did uh, in the past day, you know, whatsoever. So that's kind of like a mental torture for me. So, you know, working for a big tech company like Cisco, there, there will be a lot of trivial stuff. And, uh, you know, it's just, I know it's just a matter of time to get them finished, but uh, it's a boring job. And not to mention, I worked there for eight years and uh, things started to get really boring to me. And uh, I would say it's, it's a mental torture for me to update my progress every day, every week. And I would say it's always a balance. If I choose to stay full-time, you know, I will have the financial stability. If I choose to quit my job, and I will have the freedom. But uh, you know, it, it will take some time to regain our financial stability. So I, I just realized something. So it, while you were building Testimonial, you, you were on leave from Cisco so were you also taking care of your daughter at that time as well? Yes. I would say when I did decide to take the leave, taking care of my daughter was the highest priority. And I, I've never imagined that I would launch Testimonial and not to mention that I would make money out of uh, Testimonial. And it's just a surprise for me. And I would say it's, it's, it's a surprise to me because you know I never validated the Testimonial idea because I think that I can reuse a lot of code. I, I can quickly build the MVP within a week. 
I launched it. I directly launched it after you know, the MVP is done. The next day, I launched it on Product Hunt, and then you know because back then there was some lifetime deal, and I sold ten or twenty copies of the lifetime deal, which brings me five thousand revenue within the first two weeks, and uh, that was kind of a shock to me, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> So I'm curious, like, I mean, it's an incredible journey. Like, what did your day actually look like? Because you were effectively, I mean, sort of effectively a stay-at-home parent mm-hmm. with a side project. So, like, what did your daily schedule look like? And, like, when did you find time to work on testimonial? I would say most of the time during the day was just uh, playing around with uh, my daughter, reading books and playing Lego and this kind of stuff. And I only work for testimony during her nap time and during the evening time after she went to bed. <laughs> that sounds a lot like my weekends when <laughs> in the early days of Geocodium. Even worse, I would say, you know, right before I launched testimonial on Product Hunt, my wife got sick and we have no clue if she, you know, got COVID or not. And she, I, I told her that, you know, you just stay in the bedroom and uh, you know you know don't come out and uh, you know she scheduled some you know covid test three days uh, later because back then the schedule was pretty busy and you know she stays 24 7 in the bedroom and i'm the only one you know taking care of the kid cooking food and this kind of stuff so during the testimonial launch i'm super busy uh, <laughs> i only got time to work on testimonial you know when when my kid is sleeping I mean, so you were under a lot of pressure when you were launching Testimonial then. Unless I made some money from the launch. Yeah. Yeah, there was there, there was high stakes. I would say the Strap notification is the thing that, you know, you know, energized me during the first few uh, launch days. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, I'm curious. I mean, so your your journey was also, I mean growing fast and then hit by a hurricane, went back to working on boats for a year and a half, had it as a side project, um, moved to South Africa. Like, what were the conversations with your wife like during all of that? At that point, she had kind of given up on, like, what's going to happen next at that point, because there's more of the story. Like, even at one point after South Africa, just before COVID, we had decided, I had decided, and obviously I spoke to her about it. She's always, she always says yes to everything at the end of the day, to be honest. So it's pretty cool. I decided like, hey, we need to go to Costa Rica. We need to go to all the different Caribbean islands. I'm going to sell Jungle Bee software directly to the tour operators and go and speak to them, learn from them and make it happen. And so, yeah, I just told her, it's like, yeah, okay, for sure. She loves it. The more we travel, the more we do crazy things, the better. Obviously at one point it did get kind of tiring, you know, um, one point it was, you know, one morning I remember she woke up and was like, hey, can you go and get those amazing croissants for me at the bakery? And I was like, well, darling, um, the problem is that was two islands ago. We're not even in that country anymore. Oh. We had been moving so much. Yeah, it was um, it was definitely interesting because you just didn't know really where, where you were going to be. And, you know, we didn't have like a permanent address and we were moving a lot. So, but throughout that whole point, I mean, throughout the whole, you know, from the beginning to the end, it was fine. We've always been very aligned on everything. Yeah. It's very easy. Wow. I mean, I get the sense of for both of you, I mean, given sort of how kind of tumultuous things were in the beginning of your companies that like kind of finding out that something like Calm existed, that you didn't have to be on that, you know, 2000 or 200% um, monthly growth rate track kind of like 
gave you a sense of relief. Definitely. For sure. I mean, I always believe that the biggest pressure uh, should not be external. I mean, th- we as a founder, we should have our own motivation to drive the uh, revenue to grow, either like a rocket ship or at least grow steadily. So it's not really the money can solve the growth problem. It's always the founder who need to, you know, keep our own business afloat. Yeah. Also, I'd like to add, you know, that like, for example, before I joined um, Confund, I was not really part of like the whole, you know, tech community. Actually, I wasn't part of the tech community at all. And um, so when you're like, you know, building software, right? And you're doing a startup because you know you're doing a startup, obviously. It gets really difficult to make decisions. You've got, you don't know what you're doing, whether it's right, whether it's wrong. And not only that, but you don't know who to bounce concepts or ideas off or to even know if you're like, if what you're doing is actually realistic or not at all. And that was a big relief. So when I joined Comfund, I was able to just to speak to anybody or bounce ideas off Tyler or CB or, you know, one of the mentors that are more specialized in what I'm kind of doing, you know, one of the problems. And that kind of helped a lot because then you know that when you speak to somebody like that, that actually, you know, they've got experience. And then you look at your own company, you can say, okay, well, this is, might not be perfect, but I'm definitely going in the right direction versus before you could be going completely the wrong way and you won't even know about it until it's too late. That was, um, that was a big relief. Yeah. I mean, I can I really see that because you, you were not coming from, um, a tech or a product background at all, right? Like you were working on boats and tourism, which is incredibly helpful for your business, in terms of subject matter expertise, but in terms of how digital, you know, products and software work, not as much. And I think some of these things as a founder, like it's difficult sometimes because yes, you know, there's an amount of build in public. And I guess I'm curious your take on this, Damon, but like, sometimes you're also like, is this something I can admit to in public? What will people think of me if I ask, you know, this question or like, can I, can I share this or can I ask this in public? And so sometimes it's nice to have a smaller community of people who are both in your situation and then also people who are kind of at further stages down the line to bounce something off of. But Damon, I'm kind of curious how you think about that because you're a big, I mean, you quit in public, right? So you're a big build in public person and kind of have been doing that you know, from the very beginning. I would say building public journey is also a surprise to me because, as I mentioned, the first thing that I launched is a community, which means that I have to be the biggest champion. I have to keep posting uh, the videos to Lonely Dev. I have to connect people outside Lonely Dev and to drag them <laughs> uh, to our community. So that became the beginning of I you know, restarted my Twitter because I signed off Twitter when I first... Um, moved to the States and I moved to the States to pursue my graduate degree. And then I signed up, but I never used. And, uh, <laughs> and after I start building my set house, I have to be, be like an extrovert or, or something like that. <laughs> and I have to keep, uh, you know, posting uh, the product updates and things like that. And that became the beginning of my building public journey. And after I built several products and I just, uh, you know, tweet a thread and just summarize what I've done uh, in 2020. And I, I made a, a thread like, um, you know, these are the apps that, that I shipped in 2020. And, uh, you know, most all of them generates $0 revenue. Only one 
generous several thousand within uh, a few days. So my whole point is that, that you know keep building and be patient, and that's the whole point. And that became you know at the beginning of everything. And uh, yeah, I pretty much share everything uh, except for uh, com, and we do have a Slack private Slack channel, which is called Five K Twitter Twitter Five K Community. And uh, you know the Kenneth Castle, the founder of uh, Slate, and now uh, the founder of uh, Pointer GG. And also Noah Bragg. I was invited by Noah Bragg. Uh, back then, you know, we we are all, you know, on Twitter with several thousand followers on Twitter, but not reach uh, 5,000. 5, and our goal, you know, for the private community is, you know, we, we have to reach uh, 5,000 uh, followers on Twitter. And uh, that, that's why the name uh, come from. And uh, for some, you know, trivial stuff, and we will share within the private community as well. Yeah. Community is, is really, really important. So I just have one more question. You know, if you're kind of thinking back to yourself or, or you know, from your own experience, I'm curious, like, if you knew of somebody else with a job who had a side project that they wish they could go full time on and they're considering taking funding from Calm, what do you think they should know? I think you got to be prepared and you got to know that what is the road blocker for you about why not quitting your job? Is it that you know you didn't see the initial sign of the product market fit, or you just need you know tens of thousand as the you know extra financial uh, cushion for you to to quit your job? And for me, I mean personally, I think I'm well prepared before quitting my job, and uh, you know I got the financial support and also the you know the mental support uh, for my wife, and we do have savings. And having a community which full of, you know, indie hacker uh, founders is the thing that I really want. That's why I take the funding uh, from Khan. And, uh, you know, if you are hesitating, you know, whether or not you should uh, quit a job, if, you know, money is the thing that's troubling you, and you just take the money. And, you know, it, it becomes nearly no risk for you because you got the money. And moreover, you have a much bigger opportunity to make a much bigger impact uh, to your personal life or your, your family life. Yeah, for me, I think the only suggestion is that, you know, you got to know what is the thing that blocks you uh, from really quitting a job. You know, I mean, if it is money, take the money. If it is, you just don't have the confidence in your product just to keep building it, you know, as a side hustle. And once you see the initial product market is uh, early sign and uh, you want to have a much quicker growth rate, then take the money to fill your business. And um, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting thinking about Calm. And I think something that really led us to invest in it is that I think, you know, thinking back to when it was a side project for us, you know, I, I, I remember I remember learning a bit about venture capital and learning very quickly that a business like ours was basically uninvestable because it was not rocket ship growth. You know, it's it, like it's weird nobodies right in the tech world, you know, and, and you know, it was already profitable, which is a bad thing. Um, in a lot of those cases, right? Who knows how things are, you know, today with with everything crashing. And so I, I always just considered our business just sort of like uninvestable from what I had read from some of the bigger VCs and never even considered it. But, you know, we got to this point where there really was a lot of pressure for us on running the business 
and having two full-time jobs and only having that nights and weekends and nap time (laughs) to work on it as you did, Damon. And when I found out about it, I was like, you know what? This would have been so helpful for us when we were at that point of like, there's just not quite enough there to feel really, really confident about one of us going full-time or both of us going full-time. Could probably get there, but like this... This is something that would have been really attractive and also helpful to us, not just because of the funding, but also, you know, sort of how the funding works. And, you know, I suggest people go on Calm's website and just, you know, read about the agreement, which is called a seal that, that Tyler created for it. But it was, I think, kind of important for us to sort of pay it forward in a way to try to help people who were, in, you know, or who are in a similar situation as us and just relieve some of that kind of pressure and stress in their life from trying to make a business work, you know, from the ground up without any, you know, major support behind you. Yeah. I'd like to add um, just another thing as well, you know, for, I mean, I think this is really important for any um, founder that is considering taking investment from Calm Fund. What they need to know is at the Calm Company Fund, there is a lot of investment um, that goes into community. and putting together documentation and getting a lot of help in place to help the founders. And what's interesting as well at Calm Fund, I don't know if it's like this at other funds, but at Calm Fund, we kind of operate in a way like a bootstrap sort of startup. And what that means, right, is, and not everybody sees us, but I do because I help out the actual Calm Fund team all the time, is our team is completely focused on helping the founders. And where that means like spinning up new projects, you know, so we've had CB, he was putting together, you know, artificial, um, boards, you know, so if, I don't know, they have a, a special term for that, but basically bring in, you know, board members into founder companies that don't have board rights, but they're there to help. We've got all kinds of experiments going on all the time, you know, and some work and some don't work. But what's interesting is we constantly, um, invest and innovate in helping founders, whether it be resource docs, knowledge whether it's like many groups, like masterminds, we even, I have this, you know, internal platform called HQ, which is absolutely amazing. You know, it's a, it's a full directory of the founders, the members, anything that a, a founder, any problem that a founder runs into, or even our mentors as well, when they run into problems, you know, those issues are like documented. And then we have, you know, someone that does an amazing job at writing articles about it so that when that problem happens to you. All the knowledge, like the collective knowledge of the entire community is not lost. It's right there in our internal platform for any founder or mentor to go and get. And I think that's, there's a lot of value in that outside of just, you know, investing. There's, there's more. Yeah. I mean, I've participated in, in that myself, which is really interesting as an investor, because in a lot of funds, I get the sense that there's kind of, an, you know, a, a bit of distance between the LPs and the, the sort of the investors you know, the partners and, and the associates running the fund and then the companies themselves, like there's not too much interaction between them. And with Calm, there's a lot of interaction. Like I mentored a founder summit group myself and was also on one of the Calm advisory boards. And of course, we're all in Slack and accessible as well. There was a base camp for a while too. And it's always, it was, I remember seeing sort of a, a luminary of our world once comp- just jumping in and commenting um, on a thread. And it was like, whoa, I have an email from this person I've only seen up on stage at MicroCon as a keynote. Um, 
in my email. This is okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, be, you know, be, because of Confum, because people have access to people who really know what they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And it's great. You see the value every day, you know, with the founders in the community. Yeah. Well, I think that's about going to wrap us up for today. Thank you so much for coming by today. And thank you to ComFund for sponsoring this episode today. Michael, Damon, if people want to hear more about you and your businesses, where should they go? Find me on Twitter, I guess. That's, that works just fine. Or sign up to my software if they have a tour company. Yeah, same here. Yeah, my, my Twitter handle is uh, Damon Chen, uh, D-A-M-E-N-G-C-H-E-N. Because I couldn't uh, get the real Damon Chen, but uh, D-A-M-E-N-G uh, is the Chinese pronunciation of the English Damon. So I just choose the Chinese pinyin as my Twitter handle. And if you are running a business and you want to get the, uh, the social proof for business, and check out the testimony.to. Awesome. And if folks want to learn more about ComFund, you can go to comfund.com. There you can see more about the approach of the fund, the, the philosophy that Damon and Michael mentioned that Tyler Tringas, the, the founder of Calm, shared on Indie Hackers, more about investing as well as about the community. Thank you guys for today. Thanks for having us. It was awesome. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outseta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Konbini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.